is comment. An occasional feature of the Pat Cashman Show. And now, comment. Good morning, Goldie. Yes, good morning, Pat. How are you doing? Well, to be honest, I'm a little bit upset. I'm a little bit worked up this morning based on a topic which you touched on a little bit earlier in your program. Yes, in my in our what? Earlier in your program. Okay. Uh, what what was the topic that we talked about? These advertisers and these yeah. stores and retail outlets and their deceiving titles. Yeah, the well, way in which they present themselves to the consumer, the audacity these people have in naming themselves things that don't, in fact, reflect what you will find inside their doors. Yeah, that makes you mad. It makes me furious. Yeah. Well, what what would be uh, some examples of those that uh, For example, engender your fury, Dory? The crate and barrel. Yeah, crate and what? Crate and barrel. Yeah, I think we talked about that yes. one. Yes. In fact, no crates, no barrels. How about, you know, just calling it candles and plates not meant to be used store? If you're just joining us, Dodie Manson is you here. go but... inside the gap in the place's wall-to-wall clothes. There's not one free space inside of the place. <laughs> you go to linens and things. Yeah. Oh, come on. Now, that's just lazy. How about cloth and stuff? That's a great name. Cost plus. Hey, well, at least they're being honest about the prices. You go to Blockbuster Video. All Blockbusters, huh? How do you explain G. Lee being on the shelf? Like Hollywood videos any better? Hollywood? There's one in five. You go to Tower Records? Come on. Not only is it a one-story building, but they don't sell any vinyl in the place. I went to Supercuts. Super? My last haircut was super all right. Super embarrassing. I have to wear hats now. The audacity of these people. Wow. This is Ben. Comment. <laughs> Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for Peculiar Podcast, hosted by Pat Cashman. Gorgeous to look at. And Lisa Foster. She's dangerous. See, you're on. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. <laughs> can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it. It's love and time. This was a very big hit. Well, it was a top 20 hit anyway, 1972, by a group called Malo. I think I'm saying that correct. M-A-L-O. Spanish word meaning bad. And they were, uh, but they weren't bad, they were great. And uh, one of their members, in fact, I think he was their front man, Jorge Santana, died recently at the age of 68. And this was their big hit. It's called Suavecito. romantic this song was uh, one of my coming of age songs (laughs) and it was so romantic when everything was so intense as a teenager and yeah that this brings back good and bad memories I vaguely remember it because it was 1972 and I was only two at the time, as you know, so I know. Yeah. I found that out last podcast. It's, I I misjudged how old yeah. you were. It's funny I have any memory terrible. of it, to tell you the truth. And, <laughs> and uh, 
Uh, his brother, as I said, was Carlos Santana of yeah. Santana. And so it's just a musical family. And then yeah. this passing was notable to me because I, I had an album of his, a guy named Lucky Peterson. who turn, Never heard of him. Yeah, I guess he didn't turn out to be very lucky. He, di he didn't have a um, an on-the-radar career, shall we say, but he, he had a working career, and he was quite great. And he died at the age of only 55, mm. which is a bummer, but... My baby caught the train Left me all alone. Uh, I guess the good thing is that he got started right out of the blocks as a little kid. So he had a long 50-year career because 50? his first record was cut at the age of five years old. Wow. That's how prolific he was. He was on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show at the age of eight. He played guitar, he played organ, and as you can hear, he wasn't Gee, a bad vocalist amazed at well first of all that he was so young starting out but I'm I'm always amazed and I'm actually in awe of people who have musical talents and abilities and understand that um, I never I never got that gene my mom was very musical she was in a singing group she played the piano um, and she'd always look at me she tried very hard <laughs> Yeah. But she'd look at me like, you're not even my child. I, I apparently didn't pass any of that along to you. But I, I I, marvel at how people's brains figure that out and that they write music and what and music composition and music theory. It's all, to me, feels really mathy, like arithmetic-y, which I'm not good at either. And um, well, me so, too. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I admire that. Do you? I've known you a long time. I don't believe I've ever heard you sing. Well, I've sung, and, I sing goofily, which, uh, you know. Right, but not, you have never heard you sing like a normal person. No, well, I'm not a and, normal person, so. <laughs> like, here's something I did for my brother Mike's 65th birthday. Now that I'm old, I'm losing my hair, except for in my nose. Will anyone be sending me a valentine? Birthday greetings kicking the behind. If I stays out till a quarter to three. Having a bit of fun Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 64 plus one When I'm 64 plus one But I, I also don't know if you play anything. I can't, I don't know. Do you play the flute or something? I, or the lute? I, go, I carry a harmonica in my car, if you, you can believe it. <laughs> And I'm always playing along to songs in, in my car. But That's great. My, uh, I, and I have four brothers, none of them musical at all. But my mom, since I was the firstborn, had this 
aspiration as young young moms do that my kid is going to be uh, a prodigy. He's we're, a musical I'm, prodigy. I want him to read <laughs> every great book. I want him to oh. be able to write. To, to I see. Be <clears throat> and, and to be and have a musical. Uh, a multi talented prodigy. I don't even think it was that's a lot of pressure, though. Don't you think oh, that's yeah. a lot of pressure on you as a kid? Oh yeah, it's funny. I was came up in a time, Doctor Spock time, I guess. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and for you kids out there, I'm not talking about the Star Trek Spock. Even yeah. even he would probably be unknown to a lot of the audience. But but uh, they they would they really put me under a microscope because I was their first kid. Yeah. And it was funny to watch as the years went by and my other four brothers came along. In fact, we have a family joke that my youngest brother has almost no photographs of himself. They <laughs> yeah. had they had lost interest by then. Yeah, that's yeah. common. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but but I got uh, scrutinized and then they wanted me to be this perfect kid. And uh, so my mom, when I started the first grade at a Catholic school, I was uh, tasked with taking piano lessons. Now, my mom didn't play the piano, and my dad didn't play anything, but she thought, well, you know what, it's time to change that. Let's let's let there be a budding Van Cliburn in our family. And how old were you? Uh, well, I started school early, so I was five. Okay. Uh, but then I turned six. And so uh, so I had to go, uh, I, I think I've told this story before, I will not be nearly so graphic. Uh, well, you can be as graphic as you want, because again... Our 12 listeners love it when you play blue. Well, I'm so. not trying to be blue. I'm just telling you the facts as they exist, okay? Yeah. You decide I know if it's the, blue. I know the story, and I like to hear it over and over again because it's well, actually very it, it is a It is a tragic story in a lot of it ways. It is be, a tragic because story. Because maybe I could have been a great pianist. It makes me feel so sad for you. Yeah. The, the <laughs> and reason... it explains a lot of your neuroses now. <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> So I okay. um so I start these piano lessons and the way the school was set up, they had a basement in this old old building, and that's where they had individual piano rooms. They, the rooms were, I don't know, maybe six by ten. They were tiny rooms. Each of them had an upright piano in them. There were probably four or five of them. So what would happen each day is you would, you know, at the beginning of the week, you'd go in and you'd get an hour of instruction from the music teacher. It was a nun. And then the, and then the next day or two, you'd all you'd, would, you were supposed to do is go practice by yourself in one of the unoccupied other piano rooms. And Did so, you hear everybody else pounding away on the keyboard? A little bit, but you, mo oh. you mostly heard yourself. There were doors on the rooms, and so you, you, it was pretty good. Okay. But um, I, uh, I think I was fine uh, on those days when I was getting the direct piano lesson. But on the days where I was to go to be by myself, <laughs> practicing the piano. Huh, I wonder what you're gonna say. <laughs> I just and this happened, and it it was a physiological, psychological, biological reality. I had to have a bowel movement. Uh, you had to go number two. Number two every single day when I was supposed to be practicing the piano. Now, 
did it have to do with the time of day? Because often our bodies Good kind point. of know the time of day. So it could have been just that was your time of day. Yeah, this is post-breakfast. I, I remember it as morning time. So it was probably yeah. 9, 10 a.m., something like That's that. That's about the time. That's and, about the time I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I do it at 10, 11.30, 2. No, but um, so, so what do you you're... stay? Is it all one visit? You just stay in there for four hours. Yeah, I've read. Uh, I read Anna Karenina uh, yesterday. <laughs> I dated a guy once. I'll let you get back to the story. I dated a guy once that he would go in to the bathroom and be there. He would fall asleep on the toilet. That's how long he would stay in there. Oh my god! And gosh. I'd finally be banging on the. I'd be banging on the. Hey, good. Are we going anytime soon? He'd be like, Oh, oh, god, I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like what the. <laughs> I don't get it. Come out, because I love being your girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. So, um... It, All right, so you poor little thing. Let, you always me, had to go... I'll get back to that, but you reminded me of another story we, oh, had a, we had a few years ago. Again, this is somewhat scatological, but it really happened. We had a, a septic tank at, at this previous house we lived at. It's nice to live on a sewer. You don't have these woes. But uh, we lived in a... We had a septic tank, and they go... You know, they get full. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so I never, and I didn't, I, you know, you don't think about that stuff, but until you have to think about it, you're right. We I'm had, a sewer. I never have to think about that. We had a neighbor woman. They, they became our best friends uh, when we lived in a town called Bothell, Washington. And yeah. the best friends, and, and we never really asked her what she did. She was a full time working mom. Her job was she was an inspector of septic tanks. Oh, God. And, and did I she did, get paid really good? I, I guess, but I always used to ask her. I said, "How did you get into that? I mean, how do, as yeah, a kid, that's as a, a kid, question. did you say, boy, this looks fascinating? <laughs> this is something I want to do with the rest of my life.' Yeah, I don't know, but she uh, was very, you know, just very matter of fact and, and and rather good at it. Apparently, she uh, she was in demand. So we had this, we, so we had a problem. And so we call up a septic tank company and it, uh, these things always happen on a weekend. Right. I know. And Isn't the, that the truth? Yeah. Everything happens on a weekend. And not only that, it also happens on a three-day holiday weekend. That's yeah. typically when that's. Yeah. I'm sure they're, I'm sure the septic tank people are very busy as we're recording this Memorial yes. Day weekend. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we call this guy and it's always like, well, I think we can get somebody out there. We, have to pay a little bit of overtime. Are you folks okay with it? Yes, please. Come on. It's it, the toilet was bubbling. You know, it, it, nothing was. It just wasn't working. It was backed up. Ugh. So this guy comes out there, and I'm. We're looking out our kitchen window into the backyard, and you can see him working back there. And he's, you know, I had to. They tasked me with finding the uh, the opening. The, they ask the customers to do that so they don't have to go search around. Well, now, hold on. You're going to have to back way up because I, I don't know anything about I am backed up way so. up. <laughs> back up, back up, back up, back up. So, all right, so help me figure this out. So when you say the opening, you mean, what do you mean opening? Like from your house to the thing? No, it's it's on the on the tank itself. 
It's where you, oh, you know, where, like if you're walking through the grass, you see a little plate. Yeah, it's like that. Oh, it's okay. Ra- it's Got round. It. Like a you like un- a manhole. Yeah, exactly. And you <laughs> okay. unscrew it, and there's. Got it. Okay. That's how you get access to the inside of it. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> and so when you see these big old hoses, you know, going yeah, going in yeah, the trunk, yeah. that's what they're attached to. That's fabulous. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. There's another job. Another... How did you? Yeah, exactly. Well, I could have either been a piano player or this, and I chose this because I was good at it. I'm considered the Rachmaninoff of septic tanks. Those people, those, those people do not get paid enough. The people that do that and the people who crawl under your house for whatever reason do not get paid enough. I wouldn't crawl under my house if there was a baby under there crying. There's no way. I would not crawl under my house. You could not pay me enough. Well, you know it's there. I mean, wouldn't that keep you up at Ugh, night? Just knowing that no. if it's so horrible, then how can you even <laughs> sleep there? Because I have a floor between me and what's ever going on down there. That's never going to stop a monster, <laughs> and you know it. Thanks a lot. Now I'm going to have nightmares. All right. So you show him the opening and then do you run like hell? Do you stick around? Yeah, and then I run the like opening? hell. So we're watching. <laughs> so we are watching him through the kitchen window okay. and he's a, and I don't mean to, you know, stereotype him, but he's a portly man, okay. younger, younger guy, probably, you know, in his late twenties, early thirties. And he's bending over working on this thing. And yeah. it looks like you're looking down into the Grand Canyon. His, you know, his pants are low. Oh yeah. And his, that's his, that's that's the dress code for those. Folks. His butt, his butt is a uh, looks like yeah. a, a gigantic double chin uh, with a cleft. <laughs> and uh, that's nice. So we're watching him work on that. And of course, I I had to take a photo, of course, which I still oh, have. I can't believe you yeah. did that. Yeah, well, you have to. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I want to. Oh, yeah. I yeah. totally You definitely would want this, especially <laughs> right before dinner or something like that. Did he have a wedding ring on, do you think? No, you, but no. No, but he oh. later told me he had a girlfriend, and I'm thinking, oh, oh lucky woman. <laughs> yeah. Larry, are you going to clean up before we head down to Las Margaritas? Uh, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. <laughs> I didn't work that much today. So he's doing this, and then something is... Uh, again, I don't want to gross anybody out, but it, something must have been uh, a little plugged up because okay. he has to break something loose. So he takes a shovel, an ordinary shovel, like you'd get from the hardware store, mm-hmm. and he's working on the, uh, he's using the blade part of it to bang on this thing to get it loose. And then, apparently, he does get it loose, so he whips the shovel around in a 180. So now he's grabbing the handle end of it, and he's not wearing gloves, and this is just, you know, what he does. Yeah. It's the way he operates. That's just not a big thing to him. Doesn't gross gross him out, because this is my job. Yeah. So then, anyway, then the whole thing gets done, and he's finished pumping, and... We're, we're all done. He'll come to the door. 
and we'll give we him a check. Give him, and a, give him a check, and he'll be he'll on. He'll pull his... his pants up, and he'll head on out. <laughs> and he'll head to his girl <laughs> girlfriend's house. Yeah, he'll yeah. go to his girlfriend's house. Yeah. without washing his hands. No, of course not. <laughs> and so, I hope he didn't shake his hand and say, "Good job, Larry." Uh, the knock just... comes at the door. I go to the door. Uh, hi. Uh, hi, I'm all done. Uh, everything sh should be operating okay. Okay, great. Uh, here's your check, and uh, we'll see you later. Uh, hey, uh, hang, hang on a second. Yeah? Uh, would you mind if I uh, used your bathroom? Oh. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm thinking, well, he must be under, it must be quality control. He wants to make sure that he's done his job. Oh, good point. I didn't think of that. That's really, that's well, an extra step well, above and beyond. Well, he didn't think of that either. That's not why he was asking. <laughs> He just had to go. I, I, I just, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, your house is a long way out here. And I, uh, yeah, what are you going to say? Yeah, yeah, Right, sure. and yeah. at that point, can I ask you this question? Because that's happened to me before. At that point, does it ever cross your mind to say, well, sure, which one? Yeah, are no, you... no, I mean, you know which one. No, not always, do you think? Well, that's always I'm, I'm, what the case is. No, no, it's not always the case. But in terms of the story I'm telling you, you know which one it was. No, I know, but I'm just saying, does it cross your mind to ask them? Well, yeah, if you're going to go number one, but man, well, if you're going to number two, it. Wait, I no, think wait a should... minute, sir. Are you telling me it's conditional? <laughs> you're right, but yeah. still, it's so gross. <laughs> so, uh, and he never said that that's what he was up to. No, but, of course. But, but you don't normally, uh, you know, do a number one for. 12 minutes oh no yeah so he's in there oh and uh he's in labor for about 12 15 minutes <laughs> i know that gets embarrassing because they know you know how much time <laughs> has passed i don't think it mattered to him i mean he, he didn't he seemed so nonchalant and well that's true yeah, that's kind of his he's, he's around that all the time he's probably so immune to it so numb to all of it that it's not a big deal i'm surprised you didn't just go in your front yard so, so. i did yell through the door at him one point no I you did said, not hey if you'll notice uh, over by the sink there's some <laughs> red honeysuckle nectar glade spray there <laughs> i'm just saying you might want to and a big carton of matches oh, you could light the whole thing on fire so i'm listening at the door and he's finishing up and it's flushing then i hear Well, at least he used that. <laughs> oh, my God. And he comes up and out and drives away. And just to be safe on, on an olfactory basis, we didn't use that bathroom for about a week. Probably a good idea. Just shut yeah. the door and let it just do its thing. Yeah. Okay. So so I'm, I'm trying to practice the piano when I'm a kid. And I've got to go every day. Every day. And so you're, you're obligated... To go into the music teacher's room, you know, knock knock on her door. And she goes, yes. Oh, hi, Pat. Uh, sister, uh, can I go to the use the restroom? Yes, okay. Because it's all the way. You know, you're in the basement of this school, and you have to go up a big flight of stairs, down a long hallway, and, mm. and then into the boys' room. So it takes a while, and they don't just want you wandering around. You have to have permission. So this would go on. This went on for a while, you know, every time. Don't tell me, Pat. <laughs> and then finally she, finally she just said, you know what? That's enough of this. 
I think you're just trying to get out of practicing. And so this is the last time you can do it, okay? This is it. Okay, sister. So I go and I go. And so Next day comes. Practicing the piano again. And I it's really bad. It's really bad. I, I'm getting. How long do you? How long do you have to practice for? Is it like a half an hour? It's like an hour. An hour. Oh wow. Okay, that's I, a long time to kind of hang with that sensation. <laughs> 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 that's a really long time. <coughs> Excuse me. These are Havana cigars. So um, so I and, the, and so I'm thinking. Oh my gosh. I'm just. Oh, I'm starting to double over in pain. I, sweat is forming above my lip. You know, that, that is the worst yeah, feeling in yeah, the world. Yeah. And you're actually Just the worst feeling in the world. Doubled over with pain, but then I remember her voice. Pat, 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 Pat. This is the last time, time, done. <laughs> I think, well, I can't, I can't ask her. I can't. I, and then finally, it just gets to be too much. And I leap off my piano stool, stool, and uh, run yeah. out the door. And they've got these metal chairs set up for choir practice out in, in the main room. And I'm running to her uh, her room there to, to ask her permission again. But it's too late. It's too late. Uh-oh. And uh, I remember uh I remember distinctly uh, it went down my left pant leg of my corduroy pants uniform. Tidy whities must have been pretty loose. <laughs> good point. Uh, mm. It just... Uh, the good thing is, you know, it was... Uh, of a consistency that made it one sort of softball sized uh softball size entity. that's pretty huge yeah, i was well that's uh, that was the point it was just i was just kill it was killing me oh so so <laughs> so uh so oh it, it goes down God. my pant leg and it's on the floor and so i, I just oh I, I kick it underneath one of those metal chairs <laughs> that's set up for choir practice and I go back to my practice room. And I start, and a little kid, you know, I'm five years old, six years old. Aww. And I'm thinking, somebody's going to find that. And they're going to know it's mine. <laughs> they're going to trace it back to me somehow. Yeah, like, didn't we <laughs> like see our... Cashman eating an ear of corn yesterday? <laughs> somehow, you know, you think it could only be me. Because I, right. have, yeah. the sister will know because I, I ask to go every day. Yeah. So I, I, this is crazy, but I grab a piece of uh, music paper that's there, and I pick this like thing up. Like sheet music? Yeah, like sheet music. Oh, Jesus. I know. It's a terrible story. And I pick it up, and I don't well, ask permission. I don't ask you're permission five. this time. I just grab it, and I head up the stairs with it. And I'm going down the hallway. And I'm going, oh, no. I'm going past the seventh grade classroom, the door of which is open. And there's a kid in there daydreaming, a kid that I know. Jim Hom was his name. And he's looking out the door into the hallway, and he sees me pass by. And, I, and to be friendly, I stop, and I kind of wave to him, and then I keep going. I wind up disposing of the thing in the bathroom, and I go back, and I resume practice of the piano. And I think, okay, there's, that's that. End of story. Later that day, out at recess, out on uh, this big grassy field where we had recess, this Jim Hom guy, who's in the seventh grade, I'm just in the first grade, so I'm already kind of scared of him, 
he comes walking over to me and he says, Hey, Cashman. Yeah? <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. I don't think he said man back in those days. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I said, well, what do you mean? Thanks for sharing your candy bar with me, man. And he walks away. And that's my story. Wait, so... From where he, he was sitting, it appeared that I was carrying a candy bar down the hall. <laughs> and he was I mad because I, I hadn't been more generous to him. <laughs> Could have at least gave me half, man. And you, of course, weren't in a position to explain to him. No, no. <laughs> oh, and man. to this day, I would love to hear his him tell the story, his side of the story. Yeah, well, I'm sure he didn't, didn't even remember it and wouldn't have remembered it. But You never know. You may have, like, you know, hurt him beyond repair at that point. Yeah, maybe. So uh, my mother gets a call from the, the music teacher, ultimately, and says, you know what, your son is doing this every day and uh, I don't think he's probably got the aptitude to play the piano at least not now and my mom said okay all right so and then she, when she told me I didn't have to take piano lessons anymore I was so joyous uh, well. <laughs> well it's probably a good thing that you didn't continue and become a you know a virtuoso and um, had you know sold out concerts because you'd get on stage, yep. sit down at the <laughs> piano, and then you'd be like, "Excuse I'll me, everybody, right I'll continue <laughs> in a moment." <laughs> I'll be right back. He was just getting to the good part. I, I know. know. Where's he, where's he going? What's going on? Oh. I don't know, but he's taking sheet. Music so that's with my him. music story and my closest brush to potential. Uh, I have a. Uh, your story about the uh, the guy coming in to use the bathroom is, is I have I have one of those stories. This this was back when I bought this house and I had to have a new driveway poured. And these guys, the crew had brought. I guess this was back in the day when you could bring your kids to the job and make them shovel stuff. So they were working all day long and they'd take a break and go, you know, probably go get lunch and go to the bathroom. Well, it was the end of like the third day they were here and they had a, a, a small boy with them on the job. He was about probably 10 years old, nine or 10. And they're getting ready to wrap up. And the boy comes to my front door and he goes, um, can I use your bathroom? And I said, of course you can, little sweetie. You've been working hard. You come right on in here and you use the bathroom. Do you want to? Do you want? You want some soda? <clears throat> what do you, do you want? Anything else, honey? You want cookie? I, I could use a magazine. What? What do you? What do you? You, you come right on in, honey. Little tiny boy, comes in. He do, he doesn't take long. Does his thing. Says thank you and leaves. I go into the bathroom and try to flush the toilet. And the whole toilet overflows. Oh, no. I don't know what that child laid in there. <laughs> but for such oh, a boy. tiny little boy to plug up my bathroom, I was just incensed. So, yeah. And then, of course, you know, there's nothing I can do the next day they come. But I was like, I'm, he's not using my bathroom anymore. Yeah. My so. wife uh, used to, and we got to get off this uh, particular <laughs> theme but my wife used to tell me about her best girlfriend. Um, she went into their 
house one time and she she went into the bathroom and she noticed there was a wooden stick sitting oh geez, sitting next to the me. toilet and so she asked her about it and she says oh yeah that's for my brother johnny mom and dad make him to, break things up before you don't need to say it. yeah well that's that's what it was for and they they called it the blank stick which sort of rhymes with stick oh, johnny God. Use the blank stick, please. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, Mom and Dad. Yeah. Hey, here's something I've been worrying about, and it's alarming. And I, my brother, uh, Mike, uh, is does some kind of work, which I've never been quite clear what it is. But he, um, it's in the marketing business, and he, uh, he has access to a number of different magazines of different stripes. And so... Um, he says, hey, I can send you some free magazines if you'd like. And I said, oh, that sounds great. And a, a couple of them he sends me are pretty good. You know, I enjoy receiving them. But he also sends me People Magazine and mm -hmm. Us Weekly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've looked at those particular oh, magazines yeah. lately. Yeah, those are they, just gossip rags. They're just that are... pieces of, oh, they're horrible. They're just a Wait. waste of time. They're just really? awful. They're awful. Not, not not if you're interested in celebrities oh, and man. their lives and why, all that stuff. But why should you be? It's just, it's so, well, it's like eating a Twinkie. It's, it's just, <laughs> here's one I like. Stars, they're just like us. Yep, yeah, that's, that's and a they funny, show, I know. It's they show pictures dumb. of somebody, like here's Martha Stewart uh, mowing her lawn. Uh, here's <laughs> Sylvester Stallone taking a nap. Oh, I take naps. He is just like me. Yeah, we're we're pretty alike. So crazy, but the, yeah, the front cover of one of the current magazines is was so alarming. I went, I had to ask you about it. It is this headline: Is Ellen a monster? I saw that at the grocery store. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, you find I was it. at the grocery store waiting in line six feet apart, please. Yeah, so and I saw that headline, everybody. and I didn't pick up. I didn't pick up the magazine to read it, but yeah, that's 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 the equivalent of clickbait, internet clickbait. They that's what they want you to do is grab that magazine. Oh my god, I've got to find out if she's a monster. Is she? Yeah, Did you read the article? This, according to this article, <laughs> you know, if you watch her on TV, she seems consistently engaging. She's yes. warm. She's funny. She's yes. witty. She's generous. Loving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and I, she probably is. But her squeaky uh -oh. clean image oh, has no. recently come under question. Accusations what? are that the real DeGeneres is a nightmare to work for. <laughs> Rude to guests when the cameras aren't rolling. And according to a comedian, she is one of the meanest people alive. Really? It says that you, if you work one for her... One of the meanest people alive. If you work for her, you're not to have any eye contact with her. And you're not to chew gum either. Well, I get that. I hate gum chewers. I hate the gum chewers that pop their gum. Oh my! I just want to slap. So their you're gum saying right you, if someone's working for you, yeah, you, you I, are a I monster. Would, yeah, I'd slap that gum right out of their mouth. 
I would. I just what made me laugh about this article is how how would you like to be a celebrity of that stripe, and you have to put up with this kind of stuff that comes well, out in a major I, national magazine. I think that they all are in on the joke, meaning they all probably text each other, going, "Did you see the ridiculous headline?" I don't think any of them take it seriously. It's just like, do you remember when we used to read Weekly World, uh, World? Uh, wait, what was the rag that we used to pull stories from? Yeah, Weekly World News. I love Weekly that. Weekly World yeah. News. Here's the funny thing. There's a lot of people who believe all that stuff. Yeah, that, they believe that, the Inquirer. They believe the, all that stuff. Well, the so, Inquirer has some vestige, I would argue, I guess. Not that I read it, but it, it's got some element of uh, factuality with it at least occasionally but the weekly world news was completely made up stuff i know which was awesome but there were people who believe it so um i don't think that celebrities you know they i think they're so used to having crazy stuff written about them and there are a lot of celebrities who don't cotton to that sort of stuff and they'll actually like the inquirer has been sued eight million times for false stories that they've run and all that sort of stuff but um, yeah, I just, yeah. I just think, man, it, it, it would not be, you know, it, yeah, you're rich and I you have just, a nice house yeah. and all of yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. God, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't be worth it to be under that kind of scrutiny and uh, criticism all They'd the time. They'd probably just ignore it. But, I mean, well, I, I think at some you point should. you'd have yeah. to, at some point you'd have to just ignore it. So you don't think she's a monster? Oh, she probably is. Stop with the music. You know, I'm sure she and Portia are laughing their butts off going, yeah, this is pretty hilarious. I don't know. Maybe she is. Here's the deal. We all have good and bad. We're all a monster sometimes. Yeah, we that's are. true. I mean, you always and... hear stories about people who spotted a celebrity in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. maybe they, uh, you know, they, you, they said hi to him. Okay, could I get your autograph? And the celebrity says, you know what? Um, maybe after uh, I'm done eating here, but I'm, I'm eating with a friend here. Uh, if we can do it afterwards, that'd be great. And mm -hmm. then the story becomes, oh, they're too good. They're too good to sign an autograph. <clears throat> well, guess yeah. what? I'm never going to buy their record again. I'm never going to yeah. watch their TV show again. And yeah. then they tell their friends and then their friends. And pretty soon there's this uh, portrait of this, this person who's just trying to eat dinner like anybody else. Because at least when you get down to it, they're just like the rest of us. <laughs> They're just like they're the rest of us. There are people too. Yeah, exactly. Ellen's Ellen a monster. Hey, I was watching, you know, you and I love me TV, um, which is just so wonderful with the old programs that they play. By the way, I have, and they to, range... I have to jump in. My uh, granddaughter was here visiting us for Christmas. Maybe I've told you this. And uh, somebody was looking for me and they, and they said, hey, where's... Uh, Where's Gumpy? That's my grandpa name. Where's Gumpy? She, and she throws her hands up in sort of disgust and a big eye roll and said, Oh, he's in the other room watching some black and white show. <laughs> exactly. Just, just, just the idea that I'd be watching something in black and white. Yeah, It's just exactly. beyond the pale for her. Exactly. Yeah. And well, but MeTV has, you know, they'll play everything from <clears throat> the Flintstones to the Brady Bunch to, but what I really love is the time of day. I usually have my little television on in the kitchen while I'm working at my computer. So I'm not watching it, but it's on. And I love all the Westerns I never knew were yeah. around. Because these are Westerns that came out in the 50s and 60s, like Maverick, 
um, Have Gun, Will Travel. But the one that yeah, I that seem was to the always... golden age of westerns. I don't yeah, think there the are any I... westerns on now. No, and I and the Maybe one Longmire that I the, on the Big Valley, big, and then Bat Masterson. Yes. I'd never even heard of Bat Masterson, but Jean, I'm listening. Gene Barry played the ro- lead role. I'm fascinated by the dialogue back then of how they spoke to one another. And there was a particular exchange on one of these shows. Again, I wasn't watching. I don't know the uh, circumstances around it, but one one older wiser cowboy was talking to a young ruffian and was threatening him and he said this phrase which stuck out to me (laughs) he said to this kid if you ever do that again i'm gonna kick your mouth off (laughs) i just thought how specifically violent is that oh yeah not not that i'm gonna kick you in the mouth not not that i'm gonna slap your mouth off not that i'm gonna but i'm going to kick your mouth off and I just think it's a fabulous threat, which I'm now going to start using. Yeah, I've never heard that really one piss, before. That is who good. Piss me off. Yeah, I'm in. Impre- if you don't knock it off, if you don't stop that, <laughs> I'm just going. I'm going to kick your mouth off. <laughs> I know it just that makes way me you laugh. won't be able to sass back to me. <laughs> I'm. I was impressed. Uh, I used to be a big old Superman fan when I was a kid. The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> And now, you know, all these years later, you watch those old shows. And first first thing you realize is they're pretty crappy shows they, compared to TV. As today. far as, yeah, the, the, the plot. Production, and kind of, writing, It always acting. ends the same way. It always ends the same yeah. way. Yeah. You know how it's, it's going to turn same, out. Yeah. It's the same story, just put, putting it a little different package. Superman's going to win every time. Superman, am I glad to see you? Yeah, exactly. And uh, but Superman, the early Supermans, and I don't know when that might have been, the early fifties, maybe something like that. They were black and white too, of course. But and Superman, who was that guy? That uh, big George, guy, George Reeves. That's it. Yeah. yeah, who committed suicide? I always thought he had a weird body. He well, it, a... it was heavily padded, which you couldn't oh, really it? tell when you were a kid. Oh, your t- okay. See, your TV's, yeah. your TV's. The, Pictures, pictures were kind of blurry, blurry in those days. Yeah. You couldn't tell, but you see it now in sharp contrast. He's ah. definitely got. He's wearing, you know, pads and rubber prosthetics and all kinds of things underneath. Yeah, and and it's hilarious. The the flying That's sequences, they were so cheap. The productions that if he's if he's landing in a room, for example, he's been flying. <laughs> and they had him jump off a ladder, so he's jump. He lands from like three <laughs> rungs up. <laughs> It's just I'm so here. it's so silly, but uh, but they the early Supermans were so violent. The guy would just he would ju- you know, in the later ones, if guys were shooting at him, he'd just let the bullets bounce off his chest with his kind of mm-hmm. like, I'm so bored. Look, let me know when you're out of bullets, would you? But yeah. in the early ones, he's offended by that, and he grabs these people and he pounds them. He knocks Ooh. their mouth off. Yeah, he just, he's hitting them. <laughs> he kicked their mouth off? Yeah, they're violent. I'm thinking as a, little kids used to watch yeah. this stuff. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Yeah. It, and that's the same argument with cartoons, if you remember, like the Roadrunner. And yeah. um, all those were extremely violent. Bugs Bunny, they were always shooting each other and throwing each other off a cliff and dropping an anvil on their head. And, yeah. and we just sat there with our sugar cereal. Parents were very concerned. Uh, yeah. About the Three Stooges, too. 
Oh, right. Yeah. You would hear these apocryphal stories about kids who wound up in the ER because they had poked each other's (laughs) eyes with their fingers and hit each other over the head with a lead pipe. Frying pan. Yeah. Oh, a wise guy, a head clunker. He didn't do it. And you did. Oh, my neck! Oh, those were the good old days, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, those were the good old days. Hey, speaking of old shows, one of the shows that uh, me TV runs is the old Alfred Hitchcock shows. These are probably circa mid-50s to... Into the sixties. Don't get those because you and I have a different. I think we have a different because I texted you one day about something that was running on MeTV and you said you didn't get it. So I think we have a different lineup down in. You have a different lineup in Oregon than I do in Washington. So I I like these half-hour ones because they're over. But I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the Alfred Hitchcock. Most of them are not very good. Once in a while, there's there are uh, pretty good stories and, and well, and you don't see the ending coming. But I recorded this audio off of a recent Hitchcock episode. And what happens during the episode isn't important, but I found the dialogue so funny because here's a guy just so pathetically feeling sorry for himself that it just made me laugh. I love you. Don't you know that? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you trust me? I'm no good, Paula. I never was, I never will be. I love dialogue like that. It's <laughs> it's just so great. Yeah. Especially when you oh. watch it as a kid, you go, God, you know what? I'm kind of a loser too. I can relate <laughs> to this guy. Oh. Hey, I, before we wrap up, I want to thank you. You sometimes just send me things through the mail and I do not do them justice by thanking you as profusely as I should. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you sent me a package with lots of cool things in it including a book whose title i will not mention because i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings why oh i know what you're talking about you know which book i'm talking about yeah 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 yeah, i have talked about this book before (laughs) on the podcast and yeah i I wasn't sure if you'd read it (laughs) yes have you read it well have you read it here's the thing i've i've read i've read it in bits and pieces because i've always told you that uh, I, I will dump out of a book really early if I'm finding oh, a, a bunch of misspellings yeah. or bad grammar oh, or the yes. sentence structure is too lengthy. Uh, I've always mm-hmm. recommend this book by Strunk and White called The Elements of Style. It's a tiny little book. And the guy, um, the English prof in there, his admonitions are stuff like when you're writing, brevity is the key. Do not use mm-hmm. unnecessary words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, don't, you know, keep things short to the point. Don't leave anything important out. He yeah. said it's like putting a, a machine together and you're putting parts in it that it, that it doesn't need to operate. And mm-hmm. writing is like that. And it just, it's, it's, it's so true. And this book has just the longest sentences in it. It's a, it's a biography. <laughs> and as told to type of biography. Yeah. And it goes on and on, and the spellings are terrible, and uh, the, the syntax is, is strained, and it's just, I finally just couldn't get through it. 
And so you sent me the second edition. I have the first edition. Oh, I didn't realize you, that. There's two of them? Yeah, and talk about oh. talk about guys who've got, a, who've got a chip on their shoulder now. I love this. Uh, the guy writes a new introduction to the second edition. Okay. And he says, Certain critics have had a field day pointing out errors in the first edition oh. that I didn't catch. <laughs> some spelling, some, some grammar, some punctuation, some typos, some factual, some imaginary. To them and to all readers of that book, I offer my mea culpa. But, you know, when I went through the text looking for mistakes, I marked many of them and more for correction about three per page, actually, and many of them involve formatting and were artifacts from changes made earlier. Oh so he's blaming God. other people for the oh, screw-up. This is just funny to me. Others were tweaks only a picky editor would ever notice. Oh, Far yeah. too many were the kind that a good proofreader ought to have caught, the kind that have no place in a published work. And he goes on and on. and He's, he's really... He's really sour about the, the people's oh. attitude about the first, of which I was one of them. So I, I hope <laughs> I, I have had some that. influence on this. <laughs> I did But this is that. a book about and by a guy that uh, I really admire. And yeah. it offends me that his editor, his publisher, um, his copyproof reader, because that makes him look bad. It makes the, the book about the guy right. who wrote right. it. Or tried to write it look bad, right. and I, I, that, that that you get one. That's a good point. Good shot That's at that, and I don't want him coming off looking bad. He's counting on these other people. I don't right. think a writer needs to be perfect. Right. I think it should always be collaborative. You write as well as you can, and then an editor says, "You know, how about we say this instead of that?" And there's a misspelling yeah. here, and you don't need this comma here. You know, let let people who are professional grammar folks uh, mm -hmm. take over. That's what you're right. paying them for, and they should do Correct. it. And I, this guy failed spectacularly in this book, and I just like that his his attitude later is like, well, okay, if you're <laughs> going to be picky about it, there were a few mistakes, only yeah. three per page. Yeah, There should <laughs> yeah, be zero whatever. per page, sir. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. zero. I like, yeah. I like it's not like it's <clears throat> It's not like it's live typing. You can make mistakes. You get a chance to redo it. That's the thing about a book. You yep. get a chance to fix stuff before you actually hand it to people. Yeah, how about that? Um, yeah, I uh, I love this idea of people who with who have grudges or or begrudged, and that are bitter about the way things turn out. And th this reminded me of this wonderful Bob and Ray routine. And I can't have time to explain who Bob and Ray were, except that these these guys were radio comedians way back when. Yeah. And they had silly premises all the time. So here is this Bob and Ray routine about an unfortunate book author. It seems as if every year they're coming out with bigger and bigger books at higher and higher prices. Now, the author of one such work is here with me now. You are Mr. Nelson, uh, Alfred E. Nelson, am I correct? That's in that? right, and the book I wrote is a history of the United States. Yes, well, I've been looking through this uh, copy we have here. It's 1,100 pages long, isn't it, Mr. Yeah. Nelson? And at that, I'm just beginning to scratch the history of this country. Well, now, there are quite a few questions I'd like to ask you about it. First of all, 
As I remember, you had Abraham Lincoln driving to his inauguration in an automobile. Did you check on that at all? Well, uh, there are several glaring errors in the book that unfortunately I didn't catch. And now that was one of them. Uh, referring to the father of our country as uh, Nelson Washington. That was another one. You know, actually, I was thinking of my own last name there, you know. Actually, his real name, I think, is George. Yeah, well, you have, uh, you have a number of things like that in the book here. And uh, I think you had the editor of Poor Richard's Almanac as Benjamin French or something yeah, like that. Yeah, instead of French, it should have been Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Well, now, when did all these things come to your attention, these, these mistakes, these glaring errors? Well, uh, a friend of mine... Uh, brought them to my attention. Uh, after the book was published, I sent out uh, copies to the reviewers, you know, on various newspapers and TV stations. And then I, I sent one uh, to my friend. And he no sooner got a hold of it than he called me at home and he started to point out, uh, you know, several little errors that unfortunately uh, got through. Yeah, well, like on page uh, 820, if I remember, you have the first capital of the United States in Bailey's Mistake, Maine. Yeah, yeah. What prompted you to do a thing like that? Well, oh, it was just carelessness on my part. Do any research at all for this book? Well, quite a bit, but uh, what happened was that I relied on my memory a great deal. From so, what you learned in school? Yeah, when I learned in school, that's right. How far did you go in school, by the way? I went through the eighth grade. And you wrote an 1,100-page history book yeah. with only an eighth grade education. Yeah, well, we had a very intensive uh, history course. See? Yes, but an eighth grade education isn't enough to qualify a person, even a genius, to write a book of this sort. Well, that's what you say, you know. <laughs> Your book proves it, Mr. Nelson. Oh, look, I had all the facts. It was just that, uh, you know, I had the names wrong. A few dates were wrong. Right. For example, uh, I had the Civil War happening in 1911. Yes, you know, it was wrong, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, that I could have checked by asking almost anybody on the street. But uh, here again, I was too dogged. You know, when I sit down on my typewriter, I just start and want to get through. You know, just put me on I understand. Uh, frankly, I think this is a pretty sloppy piece yeah. of work. Yeah. It's a shabby piece of work, and I'm, uh, I'm the first to admit it. It also sells for $47.50, which is a ridiculous price for an 1,100-page thing like this. Well, look here. It's leather-bound. <laughs> Publish it, you know, he's fit to be tied with the think mistakes. So. I don't care about the binding anyway. It's the book inside that's important. Well, the binding does mean something. It's real hand tool leather, you know. Pages are nice and glossy and everything. Let me just say that I'm not going to let any of my children see it when they ask me about history. Well, let me put it this way. I'll never appear in your program again either. Okay with me, And that is our book report for this session, Back to Control Central. Thank you, Bob. We'll be right back after these words. Back when the West was very young, there lived a man named Masterson. He wore a cane and derby hat. They called him Bat, Bat Masterson. A man of steel, the stories say. But women's eyes all glanced his way. A gambler's game he always won. His name was Bat, Bat Masterson. The trail that he blazed is still there. No one has come since to replace his name. And those with too ready a trigger forgot to figure on his lightning pain. Now in the legend of the West, 
One name stands out of all the rest. The man who had the fastest gun, his name was Bat, Bat Masterson. Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. Oh.